0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of the Twilight Saga podcast. My name is Cliff Ravenscraft.
1: I'm Stephanie Ravenscraft.
0: We're here in our continuation of the series of New Moon coverage, Chapter 4. That's right. We're going to cover one chapter One chapter. One chapter. And that's because, well... We've got time real quick to right. put a little recording together, and it was an interesting chapter. Did you like it? Yeah, this is so, Waking Up.
1: Waking Up, absolutely. Um, I think that the th- um, when reading chapter four, even, I mean, obviously this is the m- multiple times that I- I've read it, just you really feel Bella's pain, Bella's lifelessness, as as Charlie describes it in the beginning. Um I think that it's it's illustrated very well. Okay. the the pain that she is in the numbness the numbness absolutely
0: almost the it, it's not just it, it it's actually she between feels no pain,
1: pain right between pain and nothing I chose nothing
0: exactly exactly
1: and go ahead so
0: so basically Charlie's a little bit upset that a little
1: she, I mean Charlie is angry
0: yeah she, he's he's angry about the fact that she seemingly is just lifeless. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like you don't, you don't, you don't do anything. You You have no ambition. You have no drive. You have no anything. (laughs) And if anything, it helps highlight just how unhealthy that relationship was that I've talked about so many different times. No, absolutely. Because it's, it's not appropriate for a relationship to, to,
1: to be that all consuming.
0: Exactly. Your life can't surround, be surrounded about around one individual. Right. To where, if that individual is there, that that you don't want to live anymore, right? And that's where that. As a matter of fact, I'm reading this chapter, and I'm sitting there thinking, okay, when am I going to be able to get beyond some of the things as far as again thinking about this from the perspective of my daughter reading mm-hmm. this book, or or some other young ladies who are very much in the point in their life where everything, the thing that's most important to them is having a relationship with a boy, you know, that whole new phase so many of those girls are impressionable and they're reading this book and it's like, yeah, this is the kind of love I want to have for somebody. It's like, but this no. kind of love is fantasy. It For you and I, for, we understand yeah, that.
1: Absolutely. No. And, but I mean, as it relates to our daughter reading this and any other young woman reading this, I mean, this, what we're doing right here is an avenue for us to say that that is unhealthy. You know, this love, yes. this all consuming that she is writing about, that Stephanie is writing about, this is fantasy. Right. This is make-believe. It is. And
0: and that's what we're here so. to say, my friends.
1: But um, I like when, when Charlie said, I, I don't want to see you try any harder. It hurts to watch. Yeah. So, I mean, not only is, I mean, it's affecting those around her.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. One of the things that he does suggest, well, obviously he suggests two different things. Number one, that I'm sending you back to your mom. Yeah. Or sending you Home. Home. And, of course, she says, no, this is my home now, which is a co- complete drastic change from what we read when she first moves to Forks. Right. You know? Well, even
1: later on in the chapter, she refers to it as Charlie's house. Right. I can't go back to Charlie's house.
0: Right. It, but Forks is her home, though. Yes. That's that's the point. Right. And the thing that... So he says that, but I found it interesting that he suggested talking to a shrink. Mm-hmm. You know, talking to somebody, a professional person to help you maybe talk about some of the things. And I it's like, listen... You know, I'm pretty sure that that doesn't work when you don't tell them the truth. Exactly. You know, and, and as soon as I start saying what's going on here, you know, they're going to lock
1: me up in a padded room.
0: Exactly. Right. Exactly.
1: Right. So, um, I made a lot of notes in here, but a lot of them are just describing her state of numbness. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, avoiding free time. Yep. It, it's, that's a big one. Um, her, for, I like when she says Charlie knew that this subject is forbidden, or he started talking about it, and this subject is forbidden as he well is aware. Yeah, as he as he is well aware of. Yeah, you know, yeah. you
0: are and not so, allowed to talk to absolutely. me about this relationship. That's off limits.
1: And he knew that, and he, but as her dad, he he crossed that. in so anyway, um, it looks like there's a lot of notes there, but a lot of them just describe right her her you know what she is or how she is going about um. In this state of nothingness, pretty much. So she avoids free time. So um, Charlie says, "Look, something's got to give." Well, I'll go to a movie with Jess. Right. So.
0: That, so that takes us to the point where she goes to a, a movie with Jess and and or approaches Jess about seeing a movie. Mm-hmm. And here's another thing: I, I, I'm just going to say say yeah. what I feel as I realize, like, no. I'm sorry, but. All I see is selfishness here, right? And she's just using this girl. She is, you know. It's After, like, well,
1: she admitted she, she even and she doesn't admit it to Jessica, but she, to herself, you know. I'm I'm getting what I want out of this, which is Charlie off my back.
0: Exactly, you know that yep. that
1: that is her goal. But um, I did like so. Yes, she is using Jess, and that is very selfish. But on her drive home and she gets home and she's in her room and she's like I don't even re- really remember getting here or unlocking the door losing track of time was the most I could ask from life i yeah. mean she's re- she needs some help she needs some serious help she yeah. she is yeah she right. this
0: is not healthy and and the, if anything so far i don't see anything in this book that that promotes the idea that this is an unhealthy way to be you know in fact this is this is still being viewed uh, as a Oh, this is a part of my story of my extreme passion and love for this individual, okay. and so I, I still I still feel like this is glorifying this relationship, okay. which is very unhealthy. Right. So again, I, I got no. I okay. I
1: completely agree with you and understand. Okay. Um, so in in the car with Jessica, I wasn't sure which emotions were the which were the right emotions to fake. It's all it's all she's putting it all on this. She is empty. Right. She is completely empty. Um, I like it, the part when she, they're in the movie. Obviously, they saw the zombie movie.
0: She chose to go with the zombie she movie chose instead to, of the absolutely. love story.
1: And but at the end of the movie, when she's realizing which character she more closely resembles, mm-hmm. the the zombie rather than the heroine. Right. Um, she really took that in. I, I really think that that. So anyway, right. um, can't function without the numbness. Yeah, is something that she refers to. I can't function without that numbness.
0: She matter of fact. Um, so basically, we there's this guy at the bar, and
1: then we get the four guys at the bar.
0: Exactly. Yeah. There, there's the situation here, and and it reminds her of that time in Port Angeles. Yes. The last time when her rescuer came to exactly her side and. Damn. And, of course, she's like, oh, you know, this is dangerous. And he looks familiar. And, and of course, the, the other thing here, and, and I this, again, I, I don't know if you would agree with me, but I would say that Bella, at this point, is so distraught about this relationship that she is suicidal.
1: She was admittedly suicidal. She said that the only thing that kept her alive in the beginning was number her promise that she had made, that she wouldn't do anything reckless or stupid, and Charlie and Renee, uh huh. She was admittedly suicidal.
0: Okay, and again, I think this is a little bit too much of a glorification of that uh-huh. mindset. Okay, very dangerous. Right. And I, I just,
1: Th- this is this is a dark chapter. It
0: is it, a dark chapter. It really
1: is. Um, but I, I'd like what. Okay, so she sees the guys at the bar and she starts to cross the street. She says, "I'm following an impulse, and I don't even know why." But it had been so long; she had been so long without any impulses. She felt like she had to follow it. Yeah. So I mean. There's a reason that this chapter is called Waking Up. Right. You know? Yeah. And so, anyway, so she follows the impulse, and then she hears it.
0: His voice. His voice. Bella stop this now
1: right now right now and you know what is funny is that when i'm reading it i can hear his voice in my head yeah as he would say it in that angry yeah i feel like i can i can hear him but i like when she says um i was especially careful not to think his name i was surprised the sound of it didn't the sound um of it did not knock me to my knees did not curl me onto the pavement in a torture of loss but there was no pain none at all so i mean she's starting to to she, feel again. So, know,
0: and, so the question is: Okay, di, you know, she says there are three options here, or she said there are there two are, options. There are two options. There isn't a third. One is that she is crazy,
1: <laughs> right?
0: Okay, or that there is an explanation such as that her subconscious is forcing herself to giving remember. Giving her what she wanted. Exactly. Giving her what she wanted, you know, saying that, you know, it, it, it's a confirmation that he exists. Yes. Which is, of course, a reason why she didn't want to move away because if she moved away, there would be a likelihood that eventually she would, she, she could come to the place where she starts to question whether or not it really ever happened. Right. So. so. See, I was paying attention. Good. You, you,
1: <laughs> you were paying a lot of attention, but you're right. I Um... It would be stupid to encourage hallucinations. At least she can realize that. Yeah. Okay. Seriously, Bella, come on. But at least she could she can realize this is probably not smart.
0: So I'm, I'm listening to this, and the question is, is there a third option? Is there a third option? Was he there? And I believe he was.
1: I know you believe he was.
0: And I know that you can't tell me, and I, I don't want you to tell me. But here's what I'm going to say right now. Okay. I believe... And, and I do not know anything about anything beyond where I'm reading in the book, which, by the way, I'm probably just a couple of pages into chapter five. So uh, and by the way, just in case you guys didn't catch this, we're only covering chapter, chapter four, four in right. this in this particular episode. But I I don't know anything about beyond this and you've not told me anything beyond this. But I believe without any doubt in my mind that Edward Colin has never left Forks. He has never left Forks because she has never left Forks. Okay. He is there in her shadows. Matter of fact, I am even going to go so far as to say that he is still in her bedroom sneaking in at night. Okay, That is my, that is my theory and I'm sticking to it and I will wait to see if I'm right. Okay. But I believe that, you know, the only way that I can see that what happened in the first three chapters, this, this whole breakup thing, um, the only thing I can see that is plausible is if he felt like he was doing that in her best interest in the same way that she did for Charlie when she was running from the tracker. Right. From James. Okay. So that's my theory. And it is. And I don't want any kind of indication of whether or not I'm right or wrong. Right. But that's what I'm I'm just putting okay. it down here. I'm staking my claim to this and we'll see <laughs> how I. All right. And, and, and I'm saying so specific is that. He's there when she sleeps at night in her room.
1: I, I, I understand what you're saying. And so we'll I, see. I do. So instead of shying away from the memories, I walked forward and greeted them. I mean, she knows she's she honestly she knows that she's in an unhealthy state right now. Yeah. Um, on on page one one sixteen. That's where she says. Um, but there was just one thing that I had to believe to be able to live. I had to know that he existed. That was all. Everything else I could endure. Right. So as long as he existed. Exactly. And um, so anyway, waiting. Um, I don't, she, she describes herself waiting um, for someday when the pain had not weakened, but when she had grown strong enough to bear it. But my favorite part of waking up is the very last line, which for the first time, I didn't know what to expect in the morning. Right. You know? Well, which is preceded by, I scrambled for the numbness, my denial, but it evaded me. She knows that she's changing. Yeah. She knows that it, it's something new is coming. But um, yeah, for the first time, I didn't know what to expect in the morning.
0: So after what, four months? Four months. She is finally... Of numbness. Yeah, four months of numbness. She's coming back to the point where she's coming back into some sense of reality. Now, what that reality will look like for her... We shall see. And whether or not Edward Cullen was there the whole time, I'm sure we'll find out one way or another eventually in the Twilight Saga. Please tell somebody else about twilightsagapodcast.com. We'll be back with more coverage from New Moon very soon. And yes, that was supposed to rhyme. (laughs) I know. We'll talk to you all later. Until next time, everybody. Join Join the the community. community.